I get so upset every single time I click onto any type of app that shows me live sports and it tells me this this cannot be viewed due to blackout restrictions in your area which is why I siphoned through free VPN trials like it's my job like it is my job to do wait that isn't your job because it's it's not I know you might think it is but it's not because it's just oh it's so obnoxious all of the all of the subscriptions you have to have now and I'm sure we'll get more into this as the season approaches because it'll also pertain to Big 10 football but the amount of streaming services you have to have now to be able to just watch like all of the base level content of like hey this sporting event is on and i should be able to watch it nope it's on a streaming service it i mean does that does it bother you guys i'm not i'm and listen to me i'm not saying it in like an old man like sitting on my porch back in my day you just had to have a tuner and you could watch whatever you wanted that's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm just asking, like, am I being like a grumpy old man on his porch or is it, does it seem to be at like hitting a point of critical mass? No, it's becoming something where like there are so many streaming services for everything that cable is becoming an option again. Cause the whole, the whole reason that streaming services existed was because like, oh, cable sucks. Come just watch it wherever. But now there's Bally Sports, there's ESPN Plus, there's Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus has live sports. All of this, all of this garbage. But I'll tell you this, I don't have this problem living out of state from my favorite teams because ESPN Plus works not in blackouts. Somebody logged into an MLB.tv account from college and I haven't been logged out, so can watch the Tigers. And then my parents still have Xfinity, so I just <laughs> log onto their account in my house. So I'm sitting okay. Maybe you're just a grumpy old man. He may he may be a grumpy old man. He may be. And also, I think didn't ESPN and like Warner Brothers and Fox, I think, all announce they're like making a combined streaming service, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we used to have that. It's called cable." So yes, that exactly that. Okay, that's my point yeah. It's right it's there. it's coming like, back. It's coming back. Oh yeah, cable, cable is back. If I could just have cable, I absolutely would. It it doesn't lag. All of my stuff streams on cable in 1080p. There are football games that I watch that I have to watch in 720. Aww. The year is 2024. And I have to watch a football game glitch across my screen while I'm streaming it in 720. I literally want to stab myself in the leg. First world problems. Like, you talk yeah. about first world problems. Right, exactly. Why That's exactly just, what this is. Why don't you just get but, cable then? Because it doesn't... It, number one, I share a YouTube, uh, YouTube TV subscription. So it's half the price. So it ends up being like 35 bucks a month. 
So that right there is like a huge win. And then I also, Corey, for a long time had a login for Bally Sports so I could watch, you know, all of that stuff. Well, now I've been signed out of it and I could very easily, I think, get signed back in. But it's just one of those things where it's like constant. It constantly is asking me to sign back into it. And it's like, oh. And now, now Bally Sports got purchased by Amazon. Mm. So is it going to be included with my Amazon subscription? Probably not. Nope. It's going to be an extra charge. My prediction for 2024, Cable wins comeback player of the year. That's You heard it here first, folks. If you can get Cable plus odds as comeback player of the year on any betting platform, you take it right now. You take it. And I like that bet. I like that bet. (laughs) And if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter. If you're new here, like and follow wherever you are listening on Spotify or Apple. And then follow us on the socials, Instagram and threads at B1G Banter. And then Twitter at B1G Banter. Pod, Corey Cercina, say say something. Greet the people who are listening. Hello, people, loyal fans of uh, Big Banter. Whether you are a national champion or an off-season national champion, uh, we hope you enjoy this little show that we've got going on. Thank you for letting us yell at each other, talk about cable, talk about how time is a flat circle, and all other philosophical needs that this world does not require. We're glad that you listen, and we hope you enjoy what we got going on today. So today, we've got some coaching hires. Uh, UCLA found a new head man, and they had to find said man because their former head man chose to leave for a demotion in the same conference. College football is wild right now. So we will get into the new coaching hires, but first, our very own Ethan Davidson has something he wants to talk about. And we kind of, you know, Grace and I scratched the surface of this last week, but now you're going to get all three of our perspectives on the Big Ten SEC advisory board. So, Ethan, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Because this is uh, is not a small deal. So I kind of wanted to dive into this with the two of you because it feels to me like one of those things where this advisory board – is surface level, it seems like, okay, not that big of a deal. But I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe this, and I very much want to get your take on this. I think it's the beginning of the end of the NCAA, at least in football. I think in football, you have the two largest conferences, the two most powerful conferences, aligning with one another to create an advisory board. And what is that going to lead to? We can now dish out discipline. We can now decide what the correct level of punishment is for something. We can now decide how to deal with NIL, how to do it properly, how to manage what these kids can and can't do. And then it's going to sprawl into everything. It's going to sprawl into transfer portal. It's going to sprawl into all of that. And what what is that if not what the NCAA is supposed to be? Now listen, 
I want to, I want to set the precedent of this before I toss it over to you guys. I think all three of us can agree. The NCAA sucks at what they do. And they have for a long time, a very long time. They pick and choose. They, they decide winners and losers. When it comes to discipline, sometimes things just vanish into thin air and, and you never hear about them again. And other times it's like, we're going to take this to our grave. We will get this person, team, whatever punished. It just seems like there's no rhyme or reason to it. And I'm not even bringing Michigan into it. It just is, as a whole, I could use plenty of other examples of where those types of things have happened. And things that seem very important to the sport and competition, they seem to ignore and focus on these really petty crimes that schools are committing. Obscure obscure things, yeah. It's very, very strange. And it seems like any time that there is an actual material advantage to recruiting players or paying players improperly, which we saw for decades, we saw for the better part of our entire childhoods growing up. We knew these schools were paying these kids to come to these programs. NCAA never touched it. The biggest thing I can remember happening is the the gold pants at Ohio State and Jim Tressel had to leave. Oh, tattoo, tattoo was, gate. Yeah, and it was like, that was it. <laughs> Which, that feels really weird too. Like, there you go, Ohio State fans. That felt so weird to me. So it, it just has always been that way. And a lot of kinks have to get worked out with what an advisory board can be. But I called for this a very long time ago. I asked, please let individuals, higher ups from these conferences get together. And then there is a circle of accountability because nobody is going to want to be punished more than a different conference. And nobody is going to want another conference to get away with more than other conferences. So there will be a level of accountability and trust within that circle that that is how things are going to be handled. And they need to lay out letter of the law. Like, hey, if you do this, this is the punishment. Not just wait until that happens, and then we'll decide what a punishment for then that Then there is. will be a three-year investigation, and then we'll punish the players oh, who are currently word. on the roster. Yeah, it just can't happen that way anymore. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, Corey, I'll turn it over to you first. And I just want to know, like, where are you at with this? What's your level of comfort with it? And what do you think it's going to be going into the future? You know what, Ethan? I really hate to do this because you already talked about all the things that I was going to talk about. And ladies and gentlemen, I want the record to be shown that we have a brilliant mind here on the Big Banter. And that is Ethan Davidson because I remember distinctly we had a phone call. He called, Ethan calls me in the middle of the day. When I'm working, he should probably be working too, but that's besides the point. He calls me in the middle of the day and he's like, bro, this is what needs to happen. There needs to be all the power five conferences. They need to come together and form a committee and they need to dish out penalties. They need to dish out, 
uh, you know, investigations and then they need to figure out NIL because they're the ones that are firsthand dealing with all this stuff outside of the NCAA's like reach. And I'm sitting there and thinking to myself, Ethan, you're so stupid because that's what the NCAA already is. You're just like, you're just like painting a different picture and then putting a different label on it. But it's the same thing at the end of the day. And now verbatim, it's beginning to unfold before I like Ethan said that, you know, this is much more of a big deal than we're, we're made to believe it is. This is a massive deal because this is you need the top dogs first to be like, all right, we're in agreement here. We're going to we're going to have this alliance. We're going to figure out some things. We're going to we're going to try to fix the landscape of college football first and then they can, you know, figure out what they're going to do with the other sports. But really, college football drives all of college athletics. Everybody knows that for sure. Um, But the fact that those two conferences are coming together is massive in the grand scheme of things because it's going to be like, hey, you either join us or you you die, unfortunately. I mean, that's that's pretty harsh, harsh wordage. But you jump on this committee and then we'll figure this thing out together. And then it will be different because – if the SEC sees a Ohio State or a Michigan trying to pull a fast one with sign gate or gold pants, and they're like, oh, yep, we're going to give you a three-year bull ban. Okay, what happens when some five-star recruit doesn't get the NIL check that he wants, and he says, yeah, Alabama paid me or promised me $1.6 million if I committed to their schools. I have it in writing. Then what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to say, well, you banned us for a year, for stealing signs, we're going to ban you for three. And then you could vote collectively. So I, that was, I think, the smartest thing that you had brought up. And I think that's probably what's going to happen as all of these things come together. But I do want to say one thing as well. It was always so weird to see what the NCAA was riding with. And I know you touched on that, but I want to touch on that again because – the Ohio State Jim Trestle stuff tattoo gate in the grand scheme of things, not not a big deal. If we're going to look at sign gate, not that big of a deal. If we look at some of what all these other things, Loxley even said last week that he had a he had a third string running back demanding a hundred thousand dollars to stay via NIL. Where does he get that idea? And then we had somewhere in the beginning of the year where the SEC was contacting a Big Ten quarter a Big Ten quarterback for seven figures. Where's the legality in that? My hope would be that those things are finally like put to rest and put to bed because those are the things that are going to get people in trouble, not the small slap on the wrists. Before we turn back over to Alex, <clears throat> um, just to further your point on that, did you guys see some of the screenshots that the Washington players took the day after um, – What's his name went to Alabama? No. Reps from schools blowing up their phone, talking about transferring, talking money figures, all of that. Just right there on their phone. Uh, (laughs) And it's like. It's very strange to me. Where's the accountability? It's very strange to me that college football players have more autonomy and freedom than pro football players. Does that not strike you as like very, very odd? My dad said the same thing because he talked about how these NFL players have contracts and they have to stay for a period of time. And these guys, in theory, could go to Michigan, then go to Washington, then go to USC, and then go to Texas. 
in four years. There's no commitment there. That, I think, we need to get back to that. Yeah, that might be a step backwards, but there is. these are 18-year-old kids that have the freedom that the pros, the, the, the highest of the high, do not have for good reason. One-time transfer. One-time transfer. And then you you can have another one for your for your fifth year. If you're a fifth year guy, you can have one more. Fine. You you sign to a school, you decide after one year you don't want to go there. Okay, fine. Transfer. But wherever you transfer to, that's where you're staying until you graduate. I honestly I don't think that's going unless you want to sit out a year. Unless you want to sit out a year. I don't think we're gonna go backwards with transfer rules. But I do think we could enter a world where these kids are under contract if they are deemed employees by the federal government. Like that's a huge legal battle that's going on in a few different cases across the country right now. And the problem is, well, if it's federal, then it's everywhere, right? But if it goes state by state, you could have some major problems. You could for sure. Um I don't think it would be, but there, I mean, there's cases I, I've got an article pulled up. Uh, I, I mean, I can't like read and say the whole thing right now, but um, yeah. U.S. labor official says that Dartmouth basketball players are school employees set stage for union vote. So like these conversations and, and votes are happening in different places, but back to the advisory board. And I already gave my thoughts on it last week, so I won't take a ton of time, but, but we said it right before we got on the air. This, this feels like, dropping a pebble in a pond. Like the ripple effect of this advisory board is going to get larger and larger and larger because the way that we are being told this advisory board is acting is basically like this is Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey getting together and telling the NCAA what they want college football to look like. Because in the article I read, the NCAA, there was an NCAA rep or employee who basically went to Greg Sankey and said, well, you guys haven't told us what you want college football to look like. That's why we haven't done anything, which is like the dumbest thing they could say. So this is what this advisory board is doing, getting together the two biggest powers like we talked about and saying, okay, NCAA, here's what we want this to look like. Well, what happens as soon as they give something to the NCAA and then see, then the NCAA says, no, we don't want it to look like that. Well, then these conferences are going to be like, okay, fine. We'll do it on our own. We do the CFP on our own already. And Josh Pate, who I listened to a a decent amount, has talked about this too. Like the way the CFP is currently set up for the next two years with like the four highest ranked conference champs getting auto bids and, and then the rest of the rankings falling from there. Do you think the Big Ten and the SEC want the new look Big 12 to get an auto bid over an Ohio State or a Michigan or an Oregon who could lose their conference championship game? They don't want that. What team, what conference champ from the Big 12 is going to be better than the second best team in the Big 10 or the SEC? So there's that part of this equation too, that I think they want more autonomy over what the playoff looks like. Um, They want autonomy over transfer portal rules, the college football calendar, which is an absolute mess and Mm. NIL, all the things that we've talked about. So, Yes, I think this is a sign of much bigger things to come from these two. Yeah, I think uh, I, just to close us out here, and Corey, I'm going to give you the final word, but 
it feels like yes it is the the, the pebble in the water and it's going to start that ripple effect i feel as though and Corey touched on this which was a really really good point it's the two big dogs that started it they're the ones who said we're going to get together we're going to get this ball rolling and then what it's going to be is who's going to who's you're going to be a, a a have and a have not you're going to join or you're not going to join and yeah because what if cuz guess what people conference alignment probably isn't done like Florida State still wants out of the ACC Clemson may follow after that so like the rich may just keep getting richer with the SEC and the Big 10 yeah absolutely and, and i just i think it's I think it is time to take notice and time to start realizing that these conferences are way too rich and have way too much power to not step in and do something and start saying, okay, what the NCAA is doing is just ridiculous and doesn't make any sense. And they're, they are, they're going the way of the dodo bird. The NCAA is a governing body that just, it doesn't make sense for what it governs anymore. I agree. I think we're all on that on that path. And even like it might not even just be because they're becoming obsolete. It might be because they run out of money because they're in a couple of lawsuits here that if they do not go there, if that does not go the NCAA's way, like they're not going to be liquid enough to pay out, you know, what what they're being you know sued over, which is a crazy thought to, to think about with a nonprofit organization that seemingly makes a ton of money. Um, a couple of things. And real briefly. Alex, I don't necessarily think like it's a sky is falling type of thing because yes, the big dogs are there and the rich are going to get richer, but the SEC and the Big Ten still do need the ACC, the Big 12, just for like the landscape of college sports. Because if you just get Big Ten and SEC and then you just kind of pick the best teams from it, college football turns into the NFL and there is still a certain draw between the difference the differences of games i agree but but i think it's going to be similar to what we just talked about with like cable and streaming services like these two conferences are going to get so big and all of a sudden they're going to say oh well here's the southeast division of the sec and here's the midwest division of the big 10 so i think it will be structured similar to the nfl and you'll still get that geographic part of college football no 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 no. real quick real real i just want to chime in real quick the reason that does not work is because the reason the nfl works and the reason the nfl operates the way that it does is because no sport has more parity than the nfl the nfl is the king of parity okay and the playoffs are one and done the playoffs, you don't get a seven-game series. You don't get a five-game series. You don't get a three-game series. It is you crap or get off the pot that day. On that on that field, that day, you go out there and you either win or lose. You cannot turn the NCAA into that. And the reason why is because there's not enough parity in college Could football. you create it, though, if you create almost a salary cap with NIL. No. No. No, because you're Why not? There there are still because uh, number 1 people don't want to see that. There might aren't, have there to. isn't enough interest. There's enough interest in the Arizona in uh 
excuse me, in, why can I not think of Arizona's team name all of a sudden? The Wildcats? Yeah. No, the Arizona Cardinals. <clears throat> Cardinals? Yes, yeah, the Cardinals. Are they the Cardinals? Yeah. You're talking yeah, about the NFL sorry, team? Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Wow. My <laughs> brain just went dead right there for a second. The Cardinals. There is enough interest in every single team for them to be kept relevant and for them to – it makes sense to have a salary cap and things like that. Nobody wants to see North Carolina State have the same exact amount of money to allocate to players as Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. But nobody wants to but see. But if they we, did I'm, have that, wouldn't it be so much better for the sport? Like, what if NC State was no, relevant? But the, but this no, is the thing because it, even it wouldn't the, be because the fan bases aren't. You have you have so many teams. The fan bases aren't anywhere close to big enough to support. That. Yeah, but you could have said that about. Clemson 15 years ago. Okay, but you can have one team join the ranks. You can have a few teams join. You can have Washington joined the ranks. Clemson joined the ranks. That you can have. And their fan bases will explode. There's not enough people in the United States to have all of these fan bases all of a sudden. No, I agree. It's it's not going to be every D1 school. I agree with that. Yeah, there's only 30 NFL teams. You've got 127 Division One college football teams. You cannot have a salary cap. We we cannot go to that. We cannot go to the NFL model. It doesn't make it's sense. Just a, yeah, it doesn't make sense because it's so expensive. But I think this is what's truly going to happen. So we had the Power Five conferences, and then we had this massive expansion with now the Big Ten having 18 schools or whatever the number is. The, what I think – there's going to be water coming to a level where I don't, we won't, we don't even have five power five conferences anymore. I think we're going to get four. Okay. And those are going to be the big dogs because look at the big 10 right now. Yes. You have Michigan. Yes. You have Ohio state. Yes. You have Penn state for every Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state. There is a Rutgers, Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana, and Illinois. Those pale in comparison for what the rest of the, I mean, the Big Ten is getting their money from Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. Like, we all we all can see that. The SEC is getting their money from Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee, maybe. I mean, Auburn does, Auburn's the biggest rival for Alabama, but they don't even fall into that same category. Every single one of these conferences, as it starts right now, already has these, these leeches in the conference. Like, the Vanderbilt is riding the coattails of the Alabama and Georgia. Rutgers is riding the coattails of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State for all of this money revenue. What's going to be a real big problem? What happens if these conferences start kicking these teams out? Like, what if the SEC says, Vandy, you're not doing the job, you're out of here. That's when we're going to be in trouble, and that's when college football and college sports as we know it is just going to go whoosh. And if that happens, I think we're done. I I think... I'm I'm not saying for sure. I'm just saying I think. I think we would have already seen that because if it was going to happen, it would have happened during this massive expansion and conference realignment. That is not what they want. They understand that these smaller echelon schools are a part of their brand, and you can kill a brand. Nike has done this before. You can kill a brand by removing something that you think is insignificant to it. And, and just just look at 
look at I'm not going to dive into that. It's a political thing and I'm not going there. But Nike did it and we all know what I'm talking about. And they just removed, you know, one little piece that they thought was insignificant to their brand. Not so insignificant because it adjusts the look of the entire outlook of your brand. So you 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 start taking out pieces like, oh, uh, the Big Ten just says, oh, Rutgers, you're not really doing it for us anymore. We're going to get rid of you. The whole Big Ten, how would you feel as a Big Ten fan? You know what I mean? It, it, just the whole outlook of it, like, oh, now we're now we're throwing teams away. You'd, you'd feel dirty about that. I, we joke about it on the podcast all the time. I've said Maryland be gone or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. I want to make it very clear. I do not actually mean that. <laughs> like it is you, you would be devastating your own brand if you were to do something like that. But I do think the fact that we've gone down so many like rabbit holes in this conversation, I think it does go to show you that I think almost anything is on the table when it comes to what these conferences like what they want college football to look like. I don't know what Greg Sankey wants college football to look like. I don't know what Tony Batiti wants college football to look like because they have to look after their own conferences and their own big brands. You know, do they have the sport at large in mind when they're, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I think there are a lot of things on the table that maybe we don't realize are on the table when it comes to what college football is going to look like. I mean, within the next like, five years i mean think about it we don't even know what the college football playoff format is going to be three years from now that is wild that is absolutely wild and they just signed a media rights deal today with espn to extend it for like seven years but it's contingent six six years six years seven point six billion dollars or something like that and they don't even know what the format's going to be now that deal is contingent on knowing the format at, at some point. I think they're meeting on that actually in a couple of weeks, but the sport is going to look different and it may be a tough pill for a lot of us to swallow. Can I say one thing? Can I give a prediction for what I think is going to happen in the next five years? Can we do yes, that? Please. Too? Can we each yes, give a please. prediction? So obviously big 10 sec are, are Kings of this moment of expansion or whatever. I think we're going to have I think we're going to have we're going to have a power 4 conference model. So the Big 10 and the SEC obviously going to be the top dogs. I think the ACC is going to get their act together and figure something out and like they're going to look at the landscape and futuristic be like, "Okay, we if we want to compete in this landscape, we have to keep our biggest brands." And what are our biggest brands right now? It's in football sense. It's Clemson and Florida State. We've managed to piss off Florida State pretty, pretty heavily, but we got to keep them if we want to. If we don't want to, if we don't want to become the Pac-12, we got to figure out a way to do that. And then with what the Big Twelve is doing, I think it'll still somewhat morph geographically. The Big Twelve is going to be like, as far as like geographic, like a combination of the Pac-12 and the and the Mountain West, but it's just going to be like south-ish then the sec will stay the same and i think eventually stanford and the california schools that joined the acc are going to switch switch with the big 12 and then uh they're going to give them like west virginia there's going to be a trade i think we're going to see a trade 
of schools that'll be fair geographically and then also like economically as well. And then we're going to settle with four power four conferences and then a group of six, right? That's how that would be. Or the PAC 12 doesn't exist anymore. So it'd be like a group of four, I guess. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we're going to enter a world where college athletes are deemed as employees. And I think there will be salary caps when it comes to NIL and what you can pay players and, and your, and how you construct your team. Uh, if I had a super, super hot take, like super dark horse hot take for what college football might look like in the next five years, my hot take would be that the conferences adopt a almost like a European soccer, like what do they call it? A relegation model where what you're talking about, Corey, with the Vanderbilts and the quote unquote leeches could get kicked out. And then a school like we were talking about, like an NC State could earn their way into a big time conference year in and year out. That is my super hot take dark horse prediction. Uh, Ethan, do you want anything or do you, or, or you want to get into what's next? All right, let's keep, let's keep the train rolling. So uh, uh, boys, I want to get your, I want to get your takes on the legacy of Bill O'Brien at Ohio state. Just a legendary tenure. Never lost. Never lost, undefeated, never lost to Michigan, never lost to Michigan State, never lost to Penn State, never lost to anybody. Um, truly a remarkable tenure at Ohio State. Did did he collect a check? That's what I would like to know. Did he did he collect a paycheck? I have no idea. That would, that would be I would very have to interesting think so. to know. He, like, he probably did. He probably did. For sure. Because like he was working, he got he hired. Worked, like what is it? He worked over he signing do? day. Yeah, yeah. He signed good. a recruiting class. He got transfers good. to come into Ohio State. Good for him, I guess. So if you didn't hear, Bill O'Brien, who was hired as the offensive coordinator at Ohio State literally weeks ago, has now left to go be the head coach at Boston College, which left an OC vacancy at Ohio State. They have filled their OC vacancy by hiring the former head coach. Yes, you heard me correctly. Head coach at UCLA. So they went to a now conference member and convinced their head coach to come be their offensive coordinator. There are a few reasons why this happened. One of them is the relationship between Ryan Day and Chip Kelly. Like Chip Kelly actually coached Ryan Day at New Hampshire when Ryan Day was a college football player, they've, they're, they're very, very close from what I've heard and read. Second part is Chip Kelly, like a couple of other young coaches, including the former head coach at Boston College who left for the NFL, they just don't really like all, everything they have to do in college football right now. Like These are guys who they just want to be football coaches, and that's all they want to do. They don't want to mess with recruiting and negotiating numbers with 18 year olds and transfer portal windows twice a year. Like they don't want to deal with all that. And so he said, screw it. I'm not going to be a head coach. I'm just going to go be a coordinator. Let other people take care of all that rest of that junk. And I'm going to coach football. So now, so now chip Kelly, I, I think Ohio state probably just fell into a better offensive coordinator hire. To be honest, I think they are going to 
orchestrate one of the best running games in the country. They have a mobile quarterback and Travion Henderson and Quinson Junkins. So I think this is a tremendous, tremendous hire for Ohio State. I mean, <clears throat> I sent you guys a message when the news first dropped. Um, and I was not excited, to say the least. So um, it's just one of those situations where, yeah, I mean, great, great hire for Ohio State. Um, you're getting a guy who was a successful head coach at many different places that he's been. And he is an offensive mind, obviously. Um, I think it's just an A-plus hire. I think it's a really good hire. Um, the only thing is, is going forward, I know that he is a really good offensive coach. How how does he do at recruiting? Although Ryan Day is a fantastic recruiter, so yeah, that, might not need him really to be honest. That's what I wondered too. Like you have Ryan Day, and you also have Brian Hartline there, who just recruits five star after five star, mostly at receiver. Uh, and you also have just all this money that Ohio State is pouring into NIL and recruiting as well. So he may, I, I think you might be onto something there. He may not have to be as active in recruiting as you know he he maybe needed to be at UCLA. I mean, is the question, does he have to be active at all? Was the conversation like, yeah, I'll go be your OC if I can just be your OC and nothing else? I, because not only is it a, I guess, a, for lack of a better term, a demotion, but it's also in the same conference. <laughs> like, you're playing the same football. It, the, that makes it just, so much weirder. That, I'm, I'm not saying, like, Oh, that's so strange. Or like anything along along the lines, it's like you don't see a head coach take a step down in in the same conference in college football. I don't think has that ever happened before. I would I would I would bet that maybe it hasn't. I don't think you and, see it anywhere in any sport ever. Yeah, and he was like disgruntled at UCLA. There was a bunch of stuff that I think we heard secondhand from the winds of the West. Uh, that we just didn't know because we didn't care because UCLA wasn't in the big 10 yet. We're a big 10 podcast. So we have to stay in our lane. Um, but I did look a little bit into it. Apparently there was something where there was a booster or some sort of person at UCLA who was fighting to keep chip Kelly employed in December because they were going to fire him. And if they fired him, they had to pay him a $4.75 million buyout of his contract. And then once he got hired as the OC, Ohio State had to pay UCLA $1.5 million to get him out of his contract for his buy. So was UCLA playing check or was UCLA playing chess when you know Ohio State was playing checkers? I don't know, but the whole situation is a little weird. Not like in a, like in a legality sense, but it's just like what happened. What happened? Yeah, I think there was a story like news actually broke. I think ESPN posted about it that someone reported before the last week of the season that he was supposed to get fired after the USC game. And then they ended up beating USC. And then miraculously, he didn't get fired afterwards. So his ending there at UCLA was anything but smooth. And he 
And he was fully expecting to be let go from what I understand as well. Like he knew he was getting let go and he was okay with it. So yeah, just a really, really weird way for things to transpire. So that obviously plays a role in this too. Like him obviously not feeling super comfortable or wanted at UCLA. Maybe it was like a weird thing where like he knew he was going to get fired. They won the game and they're like, yeah, you can stay. And then he's like, okay. And then he goes and wins the bowl game and they're probably like, yeah, you can stay. And he's like, you know what? Nah, I don't want to. And I, I hope that happened because that'd be hilarious. I mean, it, it seems like that's what happened. So Chip Kelly to Ohio State, A-plus higher. Now UCLA, they went out. Or I shouldn't say they went out. They went in and hired or promoted their current running backs coach, who was a former UCLA player. He was a running back at UCLA, uh, had a fantastic college career. Deshaun Foster as their new head coach. Uh, I've got a few, two instant reactions from this. One reason why I love the hire and one reason why I hate the hire. One reason why I hate it. Uh, Deshaun Foster's coaching career. He was a student assistant at UCLA in 2013. He was a graduate assistant at UCLA from 14 to 15. He was the running backs coach at Texas Tech in 2016. And ever since 2017, who he has been the running backs coach at UCLA. So he has never been anything higher than a running backs coach on a college football and a high level college football team. That concerns me a lot. You you got to get your feet wet as a coordinator at least a year. And, and you need and if it's only going to be one year, you have to shine in that year. Like. Oh boy. Uh, I know you're about to say for some reason you really like the hire. I just want to say before you do, I disagree and I don't like the hire. <laughs> the the one saving grace I think is that like the guy loves UCLA. He played at UCLA. He's done spent most of his coaching career at UCLA and he loves UCLA. And I do think that matters in college football that you love the place that you're at. Cause UCLA, let's face it. UCLA is not going to be an easy place to get their football program to 10, 11, 12 wins. Like Chip Kelly couldn't do it. Alex, Alex, I need to ask you a question real quick. I know what you're going to smile. I know what you're going to smile when I do. I already know the answer is to this Brady, question. Is Brady Hoke a Michigan man? <laughs> Does Brady Hoke love Michigan? Yes, he did. I'm not saying that's the I'm not mm. saying that's the only qualification you need. Could you could you find someone who was more excited to get that job than Brady Hoke was? Uh no. Juwan Howard. <laughs> but but I would also argue Jim Harbaugh loves Michigan. So and I think that was a plus for him because I think the three of us would agree Michigan is not an easy place to win. There are obstacles in place. He was he was also an NFL head coach at a very, very successful college football coach I know. before he got the job. I know. I'm not saying I love the hire, but I'm saying if there's any saving grace to it, it's this. And if there's any reason Deshaun is going to succeed. Now, I'm not going to act like I know Deshaun's game planning skills or anything like that. 
But surface level, from what I'm seeing, if there's any reason he's going to have some success early on, it's going to be because he's got this infectious love for UCLA that recruits can buy into. That That's all I'm saying. And I bet you he really loves all 11 fans that show up to their games. <laughs> I was going to say, he's probably the most passionate person about UCLA Bruins football in all of Southern California. Which I guess means something. Um, I I'll say this: I don't really want to focus on the guy because I'm. I'll, I'll be frank. I I I don't I don't know anything about this guy, but I think UCLA's hands were a bit tied. And you can say, okay, Boston College got Bill O'Brien, but that's a different set of circumstances. He's from the Boston area, so like he he wanted to be a head coach or at least have another shot at it, and that's his opportunity. For UCLA, you had the weird stuff going on with Chip Kelly, and everybody else was kind of settling in. So there wasn't really a whole lot of options for them to pick through anyway, other than internal. So if you're going to pick an internal guy with minimal coaching experience, you might as well pick the lifer. So Alex, I understand, but you can't, you can't compare, you can't compare him to Jim Harbaugh. You just, you just, I'm not trying I'm not trying to say he's going to be UCLA's Jim Harbaugh. I know Jim Harbaugh had a no, but I was trying to say that he's going to be UCLA's UCLA's Brady Hoke, and Brady Hoke still had off had uh, defensive coordinator experience and head coaching experience before he got that job. <laughs> he had the best sound bite. Michigan for Pete's sake. This is Michigan. For God's sake. <laughs> I'm 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 pulling for Deshaun. I'm pulling for Deshaun because UCLA. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I want, UCLA, I want UCLA to be good. I want Deshaun to succeed. Also, I want the record to be shown. Uh, who had UCLA and Washington in the bottom third of the way too early power rankings? Hold on. Let this me pull guy. them up because maybe we all did. Mm-mm. Nope. Corey Corey had uh Corey had UCLA so low I think both of us were like Whoa. Oh yeah, he had UCLA bottom <clears throat> 5 and then Washington right above them. Mm-hmm. Uh Ethan, you had UCLA smack dab in the middle. Uh I also oh well, I had them upper half along with Washington and yeah. Yeah, you you might be putting a little bit too much faith in those newcomers, my brother. You talking to me? Yeah. Oh, I definitely. <laughs> I'm not talking to Corey. He doesn't have faith in us. <laughs> I know ball. You? I know ball on this podcast. Okay. I have I have faith in Oregon. We all have faith in Oregon. And my, my faith in Oregon is waning the more I think about how bad their defense is. Wait, did we each have the same top three? We did. Yes. Ohio Michigan, State, Oregon, Oregon Ohio, then Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, which I think is the correct top three to have right now. Just be prepared. And just be prepared. I, wa- I want to say this right now. Penn State, Oregon, Ohio State, and maybe even one other Big Ten team that I'm not thinking of right now Rutgers. will probably be ranked higher than Michigan going into the season preseason rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something right now. 
I ain't saying Michigan's going back to back. I'm not saying Michigan's going to win the Big Ten. But I am going to tell you this. If your team plays Michigan, good luck scoring. Good luck scoring. And they got a lot to figure out on offense. An awful, awful lot. Do I think that they're going to be an 11-win team and that makes the playoff and blah, blah, blah? That is not what I am saying. But I am saying this. You you count, you count go ahead and count them out. But Michigan's defense is going to be the real freaking deal next year. Just like they were this past season. Not Not to the same level. That was one of the greatest defenses in college football history. Obviously. But they didn't lose that much. Okay? Listen. Iowa won 10 games with a quadriplegic at quarterback. <laughs> Iowa won 10 games playing defense and special teams. They said, offense, just get it to the punter. Correct. <laughs> yeah, they, but, made it to, but, they made all the way to the championship they game. Just, they just sort of, they sort of started punting on third down. But with these new... They should have been like, guys, third down. We don't want to risk worse field position here. We, just punt Punting away. is winning. With these new conference schedules, though, I think last year's 10 wins are going to be this year's eight wins. That's fair. Unless they get things figured out offensively. Which could happen. Anyway, don't we have to talk about another hire? I don't trust it to. Uh, don't, we, don't we have to talk about those Wolverines and what's going oh, on yeah. there? I mean, we can. I'm always happy to talk about the Wolverines. They hired Wink Martindale. That's his last Wink, name, right? Wink. Martindale? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They hired him as their DC coming from uh, the NFL ranks. I mean, it's kind of rinse and repeat with, with this defensive coordinator hire. They went to the well. He's got experience from the Baltimore Ravens staff. He's not going to do the same exact thing that Minter and McDonald did on defense. He's going to, from what I've heard, he's a lot heavier blitzing than they were, but not going to be a brand new scheme by any means for the guys on defense. So I think you're right, Ethan. There's a lot to expect from this defense again this year. Well, and I just want to point this out. <clears throat> Michigan in their game against Ohio State, which we can all essentially agree was a postseason game. And then all of their postseason games blitzed more than they had the rest of the season almost combined which is a crazy stat. I saw that the other day. It showed the amount of blitzes Michigan had in those last four games and all of the blitzes that they had previous in the season. And they were like so close. So Michigan, when when it came to playing upper echelon talent, started to bring their blitz package against Michael Penix and their blitz package against Jalen Milrow were fantastic so hey bring more blitzes um to speak on the hire i think it's a good hire you continue doing what you have been doing don't don't you know if it ain't broke don't fix it obviously they had to kind of fix it because it did break uh jim harbaugh left newsflash and took what the majority of the staff with him which alex especially seemed to be like very surprised about Corey, can you explain to him that that's what 
people do when they take NFL coaching jobs? They take their staff with them. Listen, I to go coach. I I, I kind of figured everybody was just going to leave, but that's more so to the my sky is falling like mentality when when one thing goes bad. Not necessarily the I, how could he do this to the to Michigan. So we got we arrived. No, that's just what coaches do. It, it's his staff. He and listen. I mean, did he have to take everybody? I mean, he took strength and conditioning, DBs. He left us a head coach. Yeah, but man, did he have to take everyone like that? He left us. He left us the best coach on the staff. He did, but like every other elite recruiter besides Sharon Moore, gone. That might not be. That might not be true. Jesse Minter might be the best coach on that staff. Yeah, but we lost but. every elite recruiter except for Sharon. Yeah, and guess what? Sharon is now the head coach. He has to find and fill in those people to be that now. Yeah, 100, 100%. Like, like Sharon's Michigan tenure, <clears throat> a, it's going to weigh heavily based on the hires that he makes this offseason. Yes. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. And, and, and Michigan had the best strength and conditioning coach in the country. As soon as Jim Harbaugh went to the NFL, I knew that was – Gone, Jesse Minter gone. It, that's that's just the way that it goes. Look, you're you're rubbing your head and you're all frustrated and blah 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 blah. Guess why this is happening? Because Michigan won a national championship. No, I so turn that frown upside down. Smile. I want to see you smile. Look look at the shirt you're wearing. What does that say? It says 2023 national champs. There you go. So you got exactly what you wanted. It's. We all I'm did. happy now. I'm happy again. I was telling okay, a buddy good. at at church today because uh, he was like, "I haven't seen you outside of a Sunday not wearing something Michigan National Championship apparel." And I'm like, "Bro, I'm still ordering merch. Like, I'm never going to stop at all. I just got a Rose Bowl embroidered champion crew neck because I'm like, that's cool. I don't have it, and Michigan won the national championship, so I may never. I'm a we are Detroit, except Alex, because he's a Penguins fan. Uh, we are Detroit area sports teams, like fans, okay? We may never see another one in, in our lives. Maybe not. So I'm I'm eating this up. I don't care I'm that watching, I'm watching the Red Wings right now while we're recording. I thought that was the Penguins, but whatever. We are going to, we are going to witness the Lions win a Super Bowl in the next three seasons. I'm in the boat if they don't do it next year. I think the window's closed. You, in what world does having Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, why in the world would you think that? I just think because they're, as far as like the stars aligning, because Amon Ra, Penny Sewell, some of the really important pieces are still on rookie deals. And once you have to pay those guys, it's going to get a lot more complicated. And I think that's going to sacrifice the offensive line, which is honestly probably the main reason they were so successful because they could run the ball at will at any time. And it's because that offense is so good. Brad Holmes is not going to sacrifice the offensive line. He will not do it. And the Kansas City Chiefs payroll, I don't know if you know this, they had a ton of people leave that team. Last off season, and they just have one of the best general managers in the league. 
And I know this is really hard for you to accept, but the Lions have the best general manager in the league. He turned around an absolute dumpster fire of an organization that hadn't been good for 30 years. But, but the Chiefs also have Patrick Mahomes. Correct. The P- which is why they won another Super Bowl. Ethan, Ethan, we just ripped. <clears throat> this is the, the gap between the two was much larger. I understand. But we just ripped Alex for comparing UCLA's coach to Jim Harbaugh. And we're comparing a current modern day dynasty to a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl ever right now. No, 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 no. I'm not comparing the teams. I am saying that Brad Holmes, it, and if you look at his pro football focus rating over the last three seasons, he's the only general manager to get a rating drafting and free agency over 90. Yeah, he's been, he's been fantastic. You know the, do you know the last person to do that? The last general manager to Probably do that? Probably one of the Patriots GMs. Bill Belichick. Yeah. And the years were 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, 2003. Bring the Super Bowl, baby. I'll, I'll get a new hat. Three years, baby. Three years. Next, it, Within the next three years. Their window is just now opening, brother. Just now opening. And they have a GM who is a draft wizard. Isn't he going to get some picks wrong? Yeah, of course he is. Isn't he going to get more right than wrong? Of course he is. You're a... Is this now a Lions podcast? Of course you're a wizard, Brad. Yeah, you're a wizard, Brad. I'm a what? I'm a what? You're a wizard. I'm not a wizard. But I'm not a wizard. I'm just Harry. (laughs) I'm just Bradley. (laughs) No, well, just Bradley. You're a wizard. (laughs) No, if you told if you told Brad Holmes he was a wizard, he would give you the hardest fist pump ever and like break your head with a high five. He would just be screaming. Have you seen that video where the sticks just get progressively bigger and bigger? No, I no. haven't. Oh no, you guys, I've gotta send that to you. It is so great. Oh, please do. It is so great. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Big Banter. Thank you so much for listening. If you stayed all the way through. You're a champion. We love you. Follow us on the socials. Hit us with a five-star review. We just need people to give us five-star reviews and then make fun of us, and we will read it. Please, I promise you we will. I promise. We love you so much. We will be back at it again next week. We will see you all later. Peace.